Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 156, Apple's Content Distribution Arm. Hi, I'm Neil. One way of thinking about this podcast is that we have an ongoing conversation about Apple. And as part of that conversation, there are certain themes that we will revisit from time to time. Content distribution is a perfect example. Back in January, in episode 140, and back in April, episode 145, we went over some of the strategy behind Apple's content distribution arm. 2019 has been a big year for Apple when it comes to content distribution. The company's been working on certain new services for a number of years. At the same time, when we take a step back and we look at the big picture in terms of major new product categories, Apple finds itself somewhere in the middle. We had Apple Watch a couple years ago, and in my view, with Apple Glasses, we're not quite ready for that major new product category. So it's a perfect time for Apple to focus on revamping its content distribution arm. And I think there is value in revisiting that topic in today's episode. We're not going to necessarily focus on the strategy behind content distribution. I think we covered that pretty well in those other two episodes earlier this year. Instead, we're going to go over some of my estimates when it comes to measuring Apple's content distribution arm. We're going to go over my initial estimates for how big will Apple News Plus, Apple Arcade, and Apple TV Plus be in the coming years? But before we get to those estimates, I wanted to briefly go over how I'm thinking about Apple's content distribution arm, the structure of this apparatus. When we think about content distribution in Apple, most likely people will gravitate to things like the App Store, iTunes, Apple Music. And when you go through Apple's financial filings, you'll see some references to a few of those services. But you're not going to get the full picture, the full extent of Apple's content distribution arm. You're not going to see the 10 different services that make up this distribution arm. For many people, things like Apple News doesn't necessarily come to mind when you think of Apple and content distribution. In researching this week's article over at AboveAvalon.com titled Measuring Apple's Content Distribution Arm, I came up with a different way of thinking about this distribution arm. I wanted to make sense of all of these different services. I came to the realization that there are two parts to Apple's content distribution arm. Paid bundles and platforms. Each one of the different services can be put in one of those two groups. Paid bundles offer users access to third-party content for a set price each month. We're talking about Apple Music, Apple Arcade, Apple News Plus. Now, of course, with Apple TV Plus, 
we are referring to first-party content. But you still have this certain price that you have to pay to access that content. Meanwhile, platforms offer users the ability to consume a wide range of third-party content via paid and free downloads, in-app purchases, and paid subscriptions. Breaking Apple's content distribution arm into these two segments, we have the paid bundles comprised of Apple Music, Apple TV+, Apple Arcade, and Apple News+. You can see that's where Apple's been focused on expanding its efforts in 2019. And then under platforms, you have the various app stores for iOS, tvOS, macOS. You have the Apple TV app, iTunes, Apple Books, Apple News, and Apple Podcasts. Now, we could go over each one of these pretty quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on any particular service. We'll start with the paid bundles and Apple Music. Launched in 2015, Apple Music now has more than 60 million paying subscribers in more than 100 countries. In the U.S., you have individual membership going for $10 per month or $100 per year. There's student pricing for $5 per month. There's also family pricing at $15 per month. We then turn to Apple TV+. Plus. This we have talked about pretty extensively in 2019 in this podcast. That is, of course, Apple's new direct-to-consumer paid video streaming service. It will launch on November 1st. In more than 100 countries, it's going to be built into the Apple TV app. It looks like at launch, there will be nine original video series and movies. And then what Apple's going to do is unveil new series and movies each month. According to my estimate, Apple is spending around $2 billion per year on original video content. And then for pricing, you have an Apple TV subscription going for $5 per month. That includes family sharing. And Apple's having a limited time promotion where you get one free year of Apple TV Plus with a qualifying Apple device purchase. So Apple is taking a very aggressive pricing strategy with Apple TV Plus out of the gate that is going to come into play when estimating just how large Apple TV can become in the next few years, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Apple Arcade launched two weeks ago. It's $5 per month with family sharing. It looks like at launch, there were around 70 exclusive games and new titles will be added each month. It's available in more than 150 countries. The interesting thing about Apple Arcade is it utilizes a new business model for the App Store. Apple is funding the game development for these games. But the ownership rights remain with the game developer. So it's not that Apple Arcade contains first-party content that is owned by Apple. So that is important to keep in mind. And then we have Apple News Plus. This launched this past March. Apple News Plus offers subscribers access to approximately 300 paid magazines and a handful of news publications. A monthly subscription goes for $10. That includes family sharing. And Apple News Plus is available in the U.S., 
Canada, and now the UK and Australia. Turning to platforms, I think a lot of you are probably going to be pretty familiar with most of these. We have the App Store. So 2.2 million iOS apps are available to download in the App Store. It remains a cultural phenomenon. Various business models are supported through the App Store. We have paid and free apps, ad-supported, in-app purchases, paid subscriptions. The next platform is the Apple TV app. The reason why I'm including this under platforms is that Apple is selling channels. So these are third-party video bundles. You can subscribe to one of these channels within the Apple TV app. There's then that deep integration that I think Apple is trying to achieve. So Apple will earn a certain portion of revenue from every channel that you sign up for within the Apple TV app. So I think that is a interesting video content platform that is separate from Apple TV+. There is iTunes. It's still a source of paid download revenue for Apple. However, it's pretty clear that Apple is de-emphasizing iTunes. They are breaking out functionality into different apps. Apple Books, pretty self-explanatory there. You have paid and free titles. Apple News, that's another one I'm including as a platform. So it's a place that you can access a wide selection of free and ad-supported written content from around the web. And then finally, there is Apple Podcast. Apple is the leading distributor of podcasts with more than 600,000 available. Apple currently doesn't directly monetize the Apple Podcast app, but if thinking about where Apple can move in the future, I think some sort of paid bundle, some sort of paid subscription for exclusive podcasts is certainly a possibility. I would be shocked if Apple isn't at least investigating or thinking about some ideas around that topic. This brings us to the next phase of the discussion. I think it was important that we actually go over service by service what we are talking about when saying Apple's content distribution arm. It's a lot easier just to say that phrase versus listing 10 different services. Now we turn to my estimates. I wanted to measure just how large of a content distribution arm are we talking about when we look out, say, three years. I didn't want to go out just 12 months. That's not enough time. I didn't want to go out too far beyond three years just because now we're talking way too far in the future. Three years seem like a good middle ground. Here is my process. Here is how I'm thinking about this. In order to measure the size of Apple's content distribution arm, so that's every single service put together, one can first estimate the number of subscriptions Apple will generate from its four paid content bundles. I think that is a great place to start our financial discussion. Those totals can then be used to derive revenue estimates and gross profit estimates as well. The final step would then be to come up with growth trajectories for Apple's various content platforms. And the reason for that is that I already have pretty good estimates for how much money Apple is bringing in from the App Store. That serves as a great base for then estimating what the App Store is going to generate in three years. We will begin 
with my estimates for the number of paid subscriptions Apple can achieve for its four paid bundles within three years. So again, that's by the end of fiscal year 2022 or September 2022. Before we get to the estimates, two quick notes slash disclaimers. The first is that these are my initial estimates. I have not published prior estimates for things like the number of Apple TV Plus subscriptions, the number of Apple Arcade subscriptions. So I did want to point that out. The second is that these estimates assume Apple will continue to refine and evolve each service over the next three years. So for example, there may be improvements to the user interface for Apple News Plus. I am assuming Apple will continue to grow the video catalog for Apple TV+. I'm assuming Apple will expand the number of games available in Apple Arcade. All of those assumptions are already built into these estimates. So it's not that I'm looking at what's available in Apple Arcade today and just assuming, okay, well, I think X number of people are going to pay for this service as it looks today. We can look at Apple Music as a great example. There has been change in that service over time since it launched in 2015. I'm expecting the same thing to occur with all of these other paid bundles. So here are my estimates for the number of subscriptions by year-end 2022. Apple Music, 95 million. Apple TV Plus, 55 million. Apple Arcade, 30 million. Apple News Plus, 8 million. So that's a total of 188 million subscriptions for those four paid bundles. One thing to keep in mind when it comes to estimating the number of subscriptions for these services is that they include family sharing. And so what that means, if you're thinking about the total number of Apple users who have access to one of these services, it's going to exceed the total number of subscriptions. If you have a family of four that utilizes family sharing, even though you have four people with access to these services, it's only going to count as one paid subscription. My estimate, and this is a little bit rough, but if you're talking about 188 million subscriptions, you're probably looking at at least 350 million people with access to one of those paid bundles. That, again, includes family sharing. If you then consider the total number of Apple users in the entire ecosystem, I think that by September 2022, you're going to have roughly one in three Apple users have access to at least one paid subscription, either to Apple Music, Apple TV+, Apple News+, or Apple Arcade. Now, you may be asking, how did I come up with these estimates? I wanted to take a few minutes to go over each one in a little bit more detail. With Apple Music, my 95 million subscriber estimate is pretty straightforward. I'm just taking the current growth rate. Apple's adding about 1.3 million to 1.4 million Apple Music subscribers per month. I'm just taking that and having it continue over the next three years. That may seem aggressive, especially when you consider that maybe a lot of the easy growth has already been achieved, especially in the U.S., and there is truth to that. 
I think that is a valid headwind. But I also think that there are some major tailwinds for Apple Music. The paid music streaming pie continues to expand. And I think that's going to be a source of ongoing subscriber gains for Apple Music. The other item is that I think Apple's going to see continued success competing against Spotify, especially when you look at developed countries. There is a battle going on between Apple Music and Spotify. These are direct competitors. You're not going to have people pay for each service. They're going to choose one over the other. And I think the way Apple integrates Apple Music into the ecosystem, I think that is going to give Apple Music the oxygen to continue competing against Spotify. That doesn't even take into account Spotify's business issues. I still think there is a financial sustainability dilemma found with Spotify in terms of trying to make a go of being a music streaming service, a standalone music streaming service. You see Spotify moving into podcasts for this reason. I think it's going to be tough. I I just think it's going to be pretty brutal from a competitive standpoint. I think Apple's going to do just fine. Turning to Apple TV+, Plus, Apple has a few things going for it when it comes to grabbing a significant number of Apple TV Plus subscribers in the coming years. The first thing is Netflix and Hulu have shown that many U.S. consumers see value in paying for direct-to-consumer video streaming bundles. That may seem very simple and obvious, but I think it's important. It's not that Apple is selling something new here. They're selling original video content. And we look around the marketplace, people are willing to pay for that. In addition, my view is that the market will support a number of players and not just Netflix. So I don't think it's going to be Netflix and Hulu and maybe one more. There are legitimately at least five or six services that have a good chance of grabbing a seat at the paid video streaming table. A similar dynamic is also taking place outside the U.S. And while Netflix clearly has an advantage there today in terms of coming up with a localized content strategy, my expectation is Apple is moving in that direction. There are certain quotas that the company will have to meet in Europe in terms of having localized content. My estimates do assume some of that taking place. So I am assuming that Apple is not just going to see success in the U.S. with Apple TV+. But I don't think my estimates go overboard in terms of assuming a huge surge of subs outside the U.S. I think that may take a little bit longer than three years. That is something to keep in mind, though. The other big factor here is pricing. Apple went with an aggressive $5 per month launch price for Apple TV+. There is also the limited time promotion. That's going to introduce quite a few Apple users to Apple TV+, in a very short amount of time. We have to keep that in consideration when it comes to estimating the number of subscriptions that are possible here. My 55 million subscriber estimate for Apple TV Plus assumes Apple sees stronger adoption for the service than it achieved with Apple Music over the same amount of time. So I think that provides a little bit of context. For even more context, Disney says that they expect Disney Plus will be able to grab 60 million to 90 million subscribers by 2024. In my view, that range 
is conservative. I don't think Disney would have put that guidance out there if they were unsure if they were going to meet it. I think they're probably going to exceed that number. So that could add some additional context to my $55 million estimate. Apple Arcade. According to Apple, 500 million people visit the App Store each week. If we take into account family sharing, the number of families accessing the App Store each week is probably closer to, say, 350 million. So my 30 million paid subscriber estimate assumes 9% of families outside of China who frequent the App Store will sign up for Apple Arcade over the next three years. And then there is Apple News Plus. My 8 million subscriber estimate reflects Apple continuing to evolve News Plus in the coming years. Limited availability will remain a major headwind for subscriber growth, just simply because the addressable market is a fraction of Apple's billion users. The other thing is that my estimate is influenced by larger headwinds found with consumers not seeing value in many of the magazines that are included in Apple News Plus. I think Apple has a much harder sell with Apple News Plus versus something like Apple TV Plus. And that's assuming if pricing was equal. Apple TV Plus is half the price versus Apple News Plus. At the end of the day, the scale associated with paid written news simply isn't in the same league as video and music streaming. For context, the two largest news sites in terms of the number of digital subscribers, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, have 3 million and 1.8 million digital subscribers, respectfully. So while my 8 million subscriber estimate for Apple News Plus may seem a little bit lackluster versus the other paid content bundles, it actually is a pretty decent number. I don't think Apple would be completely disappointed if they were able to achieve that by year-end 2022. After estimating the number of paid subscriptions for Apple's four paid content bundles, our focus now shifts to revenue and gross profit expectations. Two things need to be considered at this point. The first is accounting treatment. Does Apple report revenue on a gross or net basis? The other item is revenue sharing arrangements. How does Apple actually account for revenue? There are some differences here. Apple reportedly relies on a 50% revenue share arrangement with Apple News Plus. So that means that Apple is going to only report its share of Apple News Plus revenue. That's similar to how the App Store is accounted for, where revenue is reported on a net basis. Meanwhile, you have Apple Music that is reported on a gross basis. Apple Arcade, Apple TV Plus would seem to be the same thing. They will be reported on a gross basis. That just simply means all revenue will be found on Apple's financial statements. That, of course, will have an impact on gross profit, which we'll talk about shortly. So here are my revenue estimates for Apple's four paid content bundles. This is by the end of fiscal year 2022. Apple Music, $10.3 billion. Apple TV Plus, $2.6 billion. Apple Arcade, $1.5 billion. And Apple News Plus, half a billion dollars for a total of $14.9 
billion. And by the way, all of these numbers, all of these estimates, they are available over at AboveAvalon.com. So if you don't want to take notes, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com. It's this week's article, Measuring Apple's Content Distribution Harm. The only thing I would point out when it comes to these revenue estimates is notice how Apple News Plus at a half a billion dollars seems a little bit on the light side. That is because of the revenue sharing agreement. So that is reported on a net basis, not a gross basis. Turning to my gross profit estimates, these reflect the cost tied directly to each paid content bundle. For Apple Music, that would be the 70%, it's a little bit higher, of every dollar that is paid out to music rights holders. For Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Arcade, I am including the amount of cash spent on content in these gross profit estimates. My goal here is to keep things as simple as possible. I know that there is a little bit of complication as to whether a cost is considered cost of goods sold, R&D, SG&A. The basic framework that I'm relying on here is that once a paid content bundle launches, like Apple Arcade or Apple TV+, once that commercial viability has been proven, you don't necessarily have so much of an R&D issue, but instead a cost of goods sold issue. So similar to all of my other estimates, these are for fiscal year 2022. Apple Music, $2.8 billion of gross profit. Apple TV Plus, $600 million. Apple Arcade, $1.4 billion. And Apple News Plus, $400 million for a total of $5.2 billion of gross profit from Apple's four paid content bundles. With all of those estimates in hand, our attention now turns to estimating the amount of revenue that will be generated by Apple's content platforms. That's like App Store, iTunes, etc. While Apple does not break out the amount of revenue generated by those platforms, management has provided various financial clues that allow one to back into what I think are pretty accurate estimates. In fiscal year 2019, my estimate is that the App Store will be responsible for approximately $13 billion of revenue and $8 billion of gross profit. It is important to keep in mind that is not the amount of revenue transacted through the App Store. That is just the amount of revenue Apple will report. That is the share of revenue that goes to Apple. Apple reports App Store revenue on a net basis. After taking into account every other content distribution platform, including iTunes, my estimate is that Apple will bring in close to $15 billion of platform revenue and $9 billion of gross profit in fiscal year 2019. When forecasting revenue trends for this piece of Apple's content distribution arm, it is important to consider the possibility of Apple's new content bundle offerings cannibalizing a percentage of paid downloads and in-app purchases. So for example, a portion of App Store revenue will likely flow to Apple Arcade over time. We have iTunes revenue declining due to Apple Music. So if we assume that 10% of App Store revenue ends up being cannibalized by Apple Arcade, 
My estimate is that Apple's various content platforms will see 6% growth year over year, leading to $16 billion of revenue in fiscal year 2022. Again, the cannibalization's key there. Without that cannibalization, I do have confidence that the App Store will see stronger growth. So if I had to gauge that 6% growth, it may be somewhat conservative, but I think it's appropriate at this time considering the amount of unknown here. It is possible that App Arcade, as it does better, as more and more people pay for Apple Arcade, you could actually have App Store revenue become a little bit weaker over time. At this point, we are ready for reaching our final estimate. So we've already talked about revenue and gross profit numbers for paid bundles. We just went over how I obtained my revenue estimate for platforms. My gross profit estimate really is just a percentage of that revenue. So overall, fiscal year 2022, three years out, my estimate is that Apple's content distribution arm will be responsible for $31.9 billion of revenue and $14.9 billion of gross profit. At this point, I think it's important to go over real quickly the risk to my estimates. So what could happen that would cause Apple not to be able to reach these estimates? There are three things. The first is industry dynamics. The single largest risk factor is mostly out of Apple's control. It's the degree to which people will be willing to pay for written content from traditional magazines. The degree to which people will be willing to rent music and videos each month or pay a set price to access games each month. The second factor, competition. My estimates do not assume much adoption among users in China. So China, WeChat, that does not represent a risk factor to my estimates. Instead, I would position Amazon as the much larger risk, the the source of competition for Apple at this point when it comes to content distribution. The third item, regulation. There are a number of parties looking to attack the App Store on antitrust grounds, My estimates do not reflect any material adverse change to App Store economics from all of that. But if there was a movement against Apple and you do see success in terms of Apple needing to make changes, then it's fair to say there could be adjustments to App Store revenue. This takes us to the final topic for today, and that is final takeaways. What's the big picture? We talked about a lot of numbers here what to make of all of them. (laughs) First thing, a $32 billion revenue run rate per year for Apple's content distribution arm is roughly double the amount of revenue Netflix currently earns in a year. It's a big number. However, when considering Apple's overall business, the content distribution arm will likely represent around 10% of Apple's overall revenue. That's it. This reinforces the view that content distribution will continue to represent a relatively small fraction of Apple's overall business. I don't see Apple turning into a media company or a content distribution company. I think this is going to still be a relatively small part of Apple's business going forward. The second takeaway 
Apple's paid content bundles will likely have lower profit margins than Apple's content platforms, given how Apple is funding original content for Apple TV Plus and game development. Apple Music revenue being reported on a gross basis also pressures overall margins found with the paid bundles. This brings us directly into the third takeaway. The App Store will likely remain the most profitable piece of Apple's content distribution arm for the foreseeable future for a simple reason. Revenue is reported on a net basis. That will likely come as a surprise to people who have been saying that Apple TV Plus or Apple Arcade would become the new faces of Apple's content distribution arm from a profit perspective. I'm having trouble seeing that take place. The final takeaway, while Apple's overall content distribution arm will be highly profitable, it likely still won't be as profitable as Apple's other services, such as Apple Care Plus, iCloud, search ads, and licensing. While different accounting treatments, net versus gross revenue recognition, play a role in driving down profitability found with Apple's overall content distribution arm, the larger factor here is that Apple will simply need to continue investing in Apple TV Plus and Apple Arcade. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you enjoy the analysis and perspective found in this podcast episode and in the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com and you want more of it throughout the week, I do publish a daily email all about Apple. Each email is 2,000 words and typically covers three stories. I'll talk about everything from Apple business and strategy analysis to my financial estimates, my perspective and observations on current news and Apple competitors, and of course, full coverage of Apple earnings, product events, and keynotes. To give you a quick taste of the wide range of topics that I talk about in these daily updates, all of these stories were talked about just in the past two weeks since the last podcast episode was published. I went over the Apple Watch marketing pivot, so I do sense a change in the way Apple is marketing Apple Watch. I went over Fitbit, exploring a potential sale. Apple Arcade, I went over my initial impressions from using that service in the first few days. I also talked about Google launching Play Pass and why I'm skeptical of that new subscription service. One daily update was dedicated to talking about Amazon's hardware event. Another daily update included my thoughts on the Microsoft Surface event. And then additional topics include Jeff Williams having new comments about Apple Watch and health, why Apple valuation continues to stump some people on Wall Street, maybe we could say a lot of people on Wall Street, and we talked a little bit about the high-end speaker race, so what is going on at the high end of the stationary speaker market. Those were just some of the stories that I talked about in the past two weeks of daily updates. You could see quite a wide range of topics are discussed. If it is of interest to Apple, it is something I pay attention to. The daily updates represent the cornerstone of Above Avalon membership. So throughout the week, these daily updates are set exclusively to Above Avalon members. So to read the daily updates, to have them sent directly to your inbox, 
All you have to do is become an Above Avalon member. Head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. There are two membership options available. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. In addition to receiving new daily updates directly in your inbox throughout the week, Above Avalon members have access to the archive, so you can go back and read previously sent daily updates. The total is approaching 850, so it's quite an extensive archive. Additional privileges and benefits found with membership include access to my working Apple earnings model. So this is a fully functional and adjustable model. So you can go in and alter all of the various earnings drivers. And there is also a member forum. So you can chat with other Above Avalon members about Apple and really any other topic. There's usually a pretty lively debate that's going on in the forum throughout the week. I'm proud to say that Above Avalon is fully sustained by memberships. So if you are already an Above Avalon member, thank you for your support. And if you're thinking about becoming an Above Avalon member, thank you in advance. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later. Bye.